Hello and welcome to episode four of our Bond Marathon, where today Tom and I will be discussing Thunderball. We will cover the multitude of Bond girls at 007 encounters, savage underwater battles, jetpack getaways, funny one-liners and an eye-patched villain. If you haven't already, make sure to check out the previous Bond podcast episodes so you're up to speed. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Hi Tom, how you doing? Hi Jack, yeah I'm good thank you, I'm very good, how are you? Yeah I'm good also thank you. So today is the fourth episode and we're going to talk about Thunderball um, but before we properly go into it just do a quick synopsis of what what this film is about. Um, so just, re- just reading it off the internet, um, a criminal organisation has obtained two nuclear bombs and are asking for a, a 100 million pound ransom in the form of diamonds in seven days, or they will use these weapons. Secret Service sends James Bond to the Bahamas to once again save the world. So um, just quickly for me, this is one I've only ever seen once. Um, and to be honest, I'd forgotten a lot about what actually happens in here. Um, what about yourself? Is this one that you remember from way back when or or not? It's, it's one that I remember the plot. But not, not really the film. I don't, I don't really remember watching, watching the film. But I do, as I was watching it, all the plot did, yeah, it did come back to me. Probably because it's quite a, um, it's quite a, a classic plot, isn't it? Mm. It's quite a, you know, it's, they're stealing nukes and, and it's a ransom. It's one of those sort yeah. of bread and butter, um, evil organization spy film plots, isn't it? Yeah. It kind of gets used again, doesn't it? Sort of throughout the franchise about yeah. someone's got bombs, they need to stop it getting destroyed in somewhere in the world. Um, what did what is your first thoughts of this? Just I know you're relatively fresh off the bat. I think you watched it today. I think I watched it a couple of days ago, so you might be a bit fresher to this. So, just a quick sort of summary: what where do you stand on this particular film? And then we'll go into detail shortly. Yeah, I. I try to come at it without thinking about Goldfinger too much. Yeah. Because straight straight after Goldfinger, obviously your your expectations are very high. Um, or mine were anyway, because it's because I love that film. Um, so I try to give it its um give it its due on its on its own. I think the plot is quite a good plot. It's quite clever. It's quite clever the way they um they impersonate a pilot and kind of um there's a lot going on he has a face transplant so that he can (laughs) (laughs) impersonate him and it's yeah there's there's that and then there's yeah kind of that the classic plot of stealing nukes and the tension and stuff but I'll be honest I just found the whole film a bit boring yes I'm so glad you said this because for me I mean I know we've got two more Connery films to watch 
but there's a reason why I haven't watched this one again because I remember the first time around it was boring and I was hoping yeah. I was hoping this time around I'd be like well maybe I'll appreciate it a bit more but especially that the final fight scene which will come will no doubt come to shortly yeah. <laughs> just like kind of drags along and also this is so far the ones we've we've watched as part of this marathon this is the longest one I think this is like 10 two hours 10 minutes and I you can kind of feel that extra 20 minutes compared to the others where it's just kind of it almost feels dragged out for the sake of it I don't know I know sort of later bonds like the Craig films they're all right they're like over two hours but they seem to hold that time and your attention quite well whereas here I kind of struggled to be honest and found myself watching it in chunks because I wasn't, wasn't, wasn't really motivated to to stick with it. Um, I agree. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree. I just I wasn't, I didn't feel feel gripped into it. I didn't find it that, that thrilling. Um, no. And yeah, there was just a bit, just a big, big section in the middle, really, that just yeah, it didn't it didn't make you want to continue watching it, which no. which I was, I was surprised by. I didn't. Um, I didn't realise any of the Connery films were so um, not not really good. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to. But... Yeah, exactly. I'm with you though because I always thought, oh, Connery's the best one. He's got all the good good films. Yeah. But this is the first one I just finished and was just like, nah, it wasn't that great. Um, so we'll go go through the start because I thought the start of this film, so the pre-title sequence, so Goldfinger kind of set the standard of having these kind of fun ridiculous action set pieces ahead of the title sequence yeah and they kind of use that again here because for me the start of this is equally fun as it is ridiculous (laughs) because um obviously so right at the start that he's you see james bond attending attending a funeral and you don't know at this point who it is um you kind of assume it's perhaps a, a friend or you know a colleague or something that's been killed in action um and then what you notice is bond is is kind of there's a, a widower there she's got a veil over her head uh, and and bond is kind of paying attention to her and focusing on her and then you as the the viewer kind of follow the widower as they she goes home and goes back to this big estate and then magically bond is there before she before she gets home in a chair like kind of turns around like oh fancy seeing you here and he goes um he offers his condolences and then punches a square in the face <laughs> and i kind of forgot this watching it um and was like oh okay but obviously it turns out that it's actually the man who was supposed to have been dead in the casket is yeah. now dressed as a woman to escape and pretend he's not dead, basically. And Bond's obviously twigged it and playing along to a certain extent, which I thought was quite funny. What did you think of that bit? It's um, yeah, it's pretty funny. And the the um, it's Jack Bouvard, isn't it? Who's yeah, the initials are on the casket as well, so it's JB. So you kind of you wonder whether it's it's Bond and whether something's going on there. But yeah, it mm. turns out it's not. But I think the funniest thing is that the widow is is clearly a woman all the way up yeah. until after she gets punched in the face like it's yeah you watch it again because i did rewind it because i was like yeah okay Same. and yeah the legs and it's just so it's so obviously a woman <laughs> because this terrible exactly. drag. <laughs> it's so weird because i remember i did the same i watched it back and i was like 
well even the way she walks it's like you can tell it's a woman and then yeah. it cuts to the veil being cut off and it's just got this short-haired man who's got these big hands and it's yeah. like there's just clearly just no it's just done purely for the impact of bond being able to look like he's punching a woman yeah in the face <laughs> and then um that fight seems actually not too bad um that's kind of a straight in uh fight i think he ends up choking him out with a fire poker in, at one point yeah um but then it leads to what i think is kind of it's kind of cool but ridiculous at the same time where you kind of see this new gadget that he's got but it, it, where he basically he kills that guy tries to escape as these henchmen are trying to like break into the room and get him goes on the balcony and there's just his jetpack just just chilling there and then just gets puts his little helmet on <laughs> which is the uncoolest unflattering <laughs> thing for bond to put on and then just jetpacks down to his to his car um <laughs> what did you think of that because for me it was it's it's just a bit lame i think it, it makes also i was thinking so he's got there ahead of the widower got upstairs put the jetpack there ready for all of this to happen, I was like, "Yeah, this doesn't make any sense." Probably look into it too much, but yeah, yeah, none of it, um, none of it really adds up. I think, I think the the jetpack, it, it does set the scene a bit for the film. It's mm. a bit. I thought the whole film was um, was very tongue in cheek or trying a bit too hard to be funny a lot of the time, and I, I, I was. Yeah, taken aback, I think, by the just sheer number of one-liners that Connery has in it. Yeah. Kind of every other thing he says is this one-liner that half the time don't even make sense. And and actually, well, we can come on to that later, but yeah. some of the one-liners, to be fair, are are fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I've made I've made a note of at least yeah. two or three. But um, yeah. there um, are some as well, the one-liners that don't really land. And I'm like, is that trying to be funny or <laughs> yeah. I don't really get it? No, um, but yeah, I think that that kind of jetpack, the whole the whole film seems um, a little bit more more comical, and mm. yeah, Bond seems um, yeah just a bit more more jokey and a bit less serious in it. I think there's one. I think bit he's a bit more summoned. Um, there's the bit where he's summoned to the Home Secretary, isn't it? And he, mm. Money Penny says, "You've got." Um, lists a load of kind of high profile names i think he says something like oh one of them's lost their dog again or something and he's just sort of <laughs> just he obviously um yeah it shows a side of bond where he, he kind of doesn't want to be there he's sort of in it for the mm. fun and the women and the and the don perignon rather than the yeah seriousness a bit which i i think he's a bit more arrogant in this yeah it's actually to the point actually where sort of later on he's a bit more unlikable where he's a bit too like all right mate rain it in rain it in a bit um there's a there's a point which we'll say because right at the end that i thought was a bit of an arsehole move but i'll um i wonder if i'll see if you picked up on it it's right at the very end but we'll, we'll get to that in a moment um one thing i just quickly on that intro is i i forgot that the aston martin db5 is in this as well i just always thought that's goldfinger and that's that's it i know that later on like the Craig ones it gets um, referenced again yeah. but I thought that was a nice surprise that this is this turns up again yeah and it's kind of um it's upgraded a bit isn't it well sort of upgraded it's got it's got different 
a different gadget that we see the kind of water jets that, mm. that come out the back of it but yeah there's um yeah on, on the car it's it is cool that it's that it's reused and i don't know if it's reused again in another in another connery film i'm not sure but it there's not really a chase is there there's no the car's kind of used at that point but then there's no that it doesn't show up again um, yeah well there's a scene as well where someone is tailing him and then this bike comes across you don't know who it is at the time who then blows up the the car that's chasing bond but bond doesn't actually do anything in that scene he just kind of no he's just few, curious as to what's going on there's a few bits actually in the film which um yeah we'll come on to the ending later mm. but there's a few bits in the film where actually bond doesn't he doesn't really do a lot in, in the whole film. <laughs> no. There's, yeah, I, I know. I think I know what you're referencing. And yeah, we'll definitely come to that. But yeah, there's a few bits where it's a bit like, oh, you've not done the big thing I was expecting you to do like you've done in other Bond films. But um, um, there's so one thing I made a note of, which I thought was actually one of the good points in this, is just kind of as as, it's, as we're going through the plot and um, we're kind of following the bad guys in this um, and what the plan is that they're doing about stealing these uh, nukes these weapons there's a scene from like bond's perspective where he's called in to this big meeting which and there's one bit they, they go into this big sort of uh big sort of hall where various people from um the agency are, are there to have this big meeting and they reference it that all the other double o's are there as well um and I liked that they're all sort of put in a sort of U-shaped seating arrangement from 001 to 0010. So there's 10 of them there. And then obviously James Bond turns up late because that's his character. He's just, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll get there when I'm ready. And like his seat is just empty. And I thought it was quite good that you, you're you seeing, although you don't see their faces and, you know, know their names, for example, you get to see the other double O's that exist in this world that you don't really reference. Or when I think of back to the other films, they don't really, they're not really reference that much. So I thought that was quite a good scene to see them sort of on display as if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah I think um, it's clever as well that the, the scene with Spectre and, and they're being sort of the, the evil counterparts to all of these double O agents when they've got, you know they're all lined up as well um, with mm. with Blofeld, but you don't you still don't know his name, do you? I don't think he's just he's just there with the cat. Um, you don't well, see his face. you don't know his name. He's just sort of still just talking. I couldn't help but laugh because <laughs> we obviously know it's Blofeld because he gets announced. Yeah, and I don't think he gets just references number one, doesn't he? Yeah. So they've all got numbers, and uh, he, he's number one as the top dog. But they're all in this room, which is like, like you said, like the Bond scene we've mentioned where they're all in this lot. There's like a long desk and they've all got in their individual chairs. But Blofeld is kind of on a raised platform <laughs> with like a shutter all the way up to just under <laughs> his chin. So you just don't see his face at all. But you just see him stroking a cat. And out of context, that's possibly the weirdest room to walk into. <laughs> just one guy with just only his head out yeah, like, yeah. that you can't you see. see you can stop laughing. Yeah. Just, just my lap and my cat, and <laughs> just call me. And my one. deep voice. It was yeah. just a bit weird. But yeah, I, well, I did, I did like that. Um, yeah, I did like the comparison of the two, and yeah, I thought it it, it builds Spectre again as this mm. um, 
kind of the return of Spectre since From Rush With Love and you kind of reminded they're still there and they're they're kind of getting bigger if anything and they're um they've got lots of evil plans going on mm. there's lots of kind of there's this one massive big boss and then quite a few other pretty high profile baddies as well because the main villain in this is um is Largo who's Blofeld's number two isn't he mm. yeah and um, and he's he's almost a he's enough of a a baddie in himself isn't he um so yeah it kind of it shows the scale of this organization but there wasn't there's not really a henchman in this in this no. film is there i guess fiona's probably the only the closest um character that comes to that henchman um yeah definitely i think i think she's quite a good character actually i like i like i like her character in it i think she's um she's quite a match for bond isn't she as well she's she's yeah, quite seductive herself she's um she's pretty yeah pretty badass like she's just like a hot girl version of bond but evil yeah i think so and she's almost got this like group of henchmen that she's mm. in charge of and ordering to get bond and chase bond and stuff like that i thought as one of the i think there are quite a lot of bond girls in this and when yeah. i say bond girls i mean women who interact with Bond on some level. Yeah. <laughs> um, there seems to be loads, more than any of the other films combined, perhaps. Um, every other scene, he's got a new girl. And sometimes he's even caught, or it's implied that he's got two on the go at once. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought she was quite good. Um, and like I said, we'll go on to the other Bond girls as well in a moment. But just, just quickly going back to that scene with the um, Spectre in the office, I couldn't help, uh, think of Austin Powers yeah, <laughs> in yeah, that definitely. scene they reference it like so obviously yeah. so obviously in this film um, one of the one of the Spectre members has kind of done something gone in gone in for themselves and Blofeld number one has tweaked that and basically has a button that then zaps him in his chair and then the chair goes down through the floor and disappears the body goes comes back yeah. and the, the chair's on is smoking basically and all i could think of was will ferrell in austin <laughs> paris he's like i'm very badly burnt <laughs> it just completely references that so that completely killed that scene for me i don't know about you yeah, yeah a little bit yeah <laughs> yeah definitely um but yeah so going on to um let's just let's go on to the bond girls now so like i said there's quite a lot in here so he's got he, he manages to pull the nurse in this, what is it, like a spa retreat area, I think? Yeah, this health health spa thing. I, That's yeah, I think it. So that, I think this is the most, um, the most extreme, um, yeah, kind of womanising, chauvinistic bond that we've seen so far, definitely. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, it's very kind of, it's very Harvey Weinstein, isn't it? That, that <laughs> bit with the nurse, it just... He just grabs her and starts kissing her and just like pins her down, mm. and then, and then later on he blackmails her into shagging him in the steam room, and it's, <laughs> it's basically all of it. It just screams uh, rape. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's a bit forward, mate. He's a bit forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Again, it was kind of like. Um, what we briefly said on Goldfinger where he's like he slaps that woman's ass at the start and I was a bit like oh 
But at the start of this, that's what I mean when um, I say a bit, he's a bit more unlikable, I think, because he's a bit more... I know it's a, you know, it's a thing perhaps of the time that was more acceptable than now, but even just watching it, I'm just like, all right, chill out, rain it in a bit. Yeah. It's just supposed to be there on a spa retreat. You don't have to try, you know, try it with <laughs> anything with the pulse. But I guess but that's James Bond, isn't it? Yeah, I think, but for me, though, I, I always think of James Bond as this sort of suave, charming character, but but it's it's not in this at all. That 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 scene is well, those scenes especially. But yeah, throughout this film he's not um he's not really the charming guy. They he doesn't um get them to fall in love with him. He sort of forces them to <laughs> to yeah, do stuff rather than yeah. um rather than wooing them. It's always no. a bit mainly. Um yeah. I think they hit, a, I think missed the mark on that one, really. Yeah, I think so. I think they put a bit. I think they need to rein it in. It'd be interesting to see what they do in the next film if that gets reined in slightly, because mm. here it's a bit overkill. And I think they, yeah, I think if pretty much throughout the whole film, it's just like, mate, chill out. Like, yeah, there's one that does, that does sum on. it up. That you've yeah you said he kind of lose his his likableness. I think it that does sum it up. It's kind of yeah, he's not. You don't particularly like him. No, he's a bit more creepy than normal, I'd say. Yeah, that's it, yeah. There's one bit, I made a note though, there's, we cut to a scene <laughs> with him and he's massaging the the nurse with like a mink glove, which <laughs> looks like, which looks like a bear outfit. I was yeah. like, what is happening? So he's got like this bear paw glove <laughs> and he's just massaging her just randomly. And like, yeah. okay. I just found it really jarring. Like, what is <laughs> happening? You've gone from this smooth talking, getting this woman to what, do what you like, and now you're massaging it with a bear paw. It's just so so random, so random. Um, so obviously the next kind of main bit is that he, he gets some. Um, while he's at the spa, he kind of gets stumbles onto what thinks is leading into the overall issue of this um, these these uh, nuclear weapons. Um, so he basically gets sent to Nassau to kind of dig into Largo um, and kind of worm his way in using Bond's charm um, to understand what the plot is. And basically they've, they've hidden this jet, which is supposed to also have these um, weapons with. Um, and the theme pretty much throughout this is very nautical. It's very water-based and obviously we'll come back to that for the finale which is pretty much set underwater um <clears throat> but that yeah that seems to be the running theme of this um i know you quick, quickly mentioned largo actually what did you think of him as a as a villain compared to perhaps the first three films i, th I think he's a good character i do i do like him as a as a villain actually um he's got his unexplained eye patch and <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah i think he's um yeah, he's quite evil and he sort of shows his um his ruthlessness later on when he's sort of there's one bit where he's sort of prepping to um to almost torture Domino um because he knows that she's working with Bond. Um yeah, he's he's not a he's not the traditional henchman at all, is he? He's, he's more the um he's more the brains and mastermind behind it. But I thought I think he's he is a redeeming character actually, he's a redeeming factor of the film for me. I thought it was, thought it was good. 
Yeah, I, I think he's okay. I mean, he's got the look of a villain, like you said. He's got the eye patch, which is never explained, but he's got right. So he's so he's you know when you talk about Bond with friends or whatever, he's like, oh yeah, he's the villain with the eye patch. So straight away, he's got a recognizable yeah. characteristic that in you know you can pick him out from a lineup sort of thing. I don't know. For me, I think he's kind of yeah, he's a bit more aggressive and determined. I think compared to some of the other ones before. But I think um, you don't really sort of, he doesn't really develop as much as a character. He's very much plays it, I think, the same the whole way through. And he kind of has this relationship. So I think I think I understood it, that Domino is his niece in this. Is that right? Because I'm not sure the, he mentions that, but. I think, I think they call her his niece, but actually she's just like this girl that Tag, he. Tagging Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I, it's not necessarily clear what their relationship is and i'm sure when i was listening to it that like you said they say niece or you know it, you know it's a a side girl that he has but it's never quite clear that what that relationship is is it more like a father figure to her or is you know is it as mistress or what i don't know but yeah i, I think largo for me so is one of the weaker ones i think i don't think he was particularly great um I think the look is, like I said, is, is good. But um, I think comparing, I know you said not to compare it to Goldfinger, but when you look back at Goldfinger and you've got his kind of cocky personality and then you've got the great henchman in Odd Job, which is really lacking in here. I know you yeah. said Fiona is kind of the um, hench woman, sorry, um, but she doesn't really have a recognisable characteristic like Odd Job, where he's just got, you know, straight away, you know who he is. The only one I made a note of is this is one of the henchmen called Vargas, who's this like mute, yeah. like idiot. <laughs> yeah. And, and go on. He, he's meant to be, yeah, he's meant to be sort of Largo's kind of right hand man, head of yeah. the head of the guards henchman. And he's just like hanging out on the beach in plain sight, watching them taking 20 minutes to screw a silencer on and Bond just looks around and harpoons him and then it's and, then, and he says at that point I think he got the point after he harpoons him and then he just it's like the easiest yeah the easiest henchman kill ever and it's just um yeah it's just a bit weak and easy the whole thing it's just a bit <laughs> anticlimactic isn't it because like you said he's hard <laughs> He's trying to hide behind palm trees on a beach that are so spread out that it's not like it's a bush that he's just <laughs> can just crawl through. He's like running between these thin palm trees <laughs> and Bond in one swoop just gets him straight away with the harpoon. And yeah, and that's the line I wrote down as well. I think he got the point because it's just it's just a classic line. But yeah, there's him, that Vargas guy is just a bit of a, it's a I don't know, he's just a bit of a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> he's not really like menacing or anything like that and then i even made a note as well that um when largo kind of introduces um bond to vargas he goes um he says something like oh yeah that's it you don't smoke do you or you don't drink or you don't even have sex do you and but and everyone's just like look at him and vargas is kind of like just puts his head down in shame <laughs> i was like you've just destroyed your head henchman in front of your enemy for no reason. I kind of thought that was one of the funniest bits of the film, but unintentionally funny. Yeah. It was like, he, he's trying to make him out like his only focus is to kill. 
but his reaction is just like, yeah, thanks for showing me up in front of the enemy. <laughs> I, think, yeah, I think that's the problem with both of those characters, really, is Largo and Vargas, is they're just not menacing at all. No. There's not really... I know there's the threat of these bombs going off, but they, they pick Miami as a location as well. It's like, it's not even a particularly troublesome location, is it? It's not, no. you know, it's not New York, Washington, London. It's Miami. It's not, it's not Parliament or White House or yeah. something like that. It was, no, exactly. yeah. The there was no like... Yeah, it doesn't really fill you with um, concern. Largo and Vargas aren't, aren't menacing. They're not concerning. The whole thing is just a little bit a bit weak and and yeah. pointless for me <laughs> the only thing because i was thinking back to goldfinger like pretty much at the start i know we should be referencing other films but i can't i can't help it um like right at the start we get the level of power that goldfinger has by just kind of sending odd jobs straight away to basically kill an innocent person and that doesn't really happen in a in this in thunderball that you don't really have the the power on display of what largo ca is capable of doing or has power over other people to do think his bidding for him he has there is the scene where he's got these sharks in the swimming pool that he manages to get one person in to kind of show that intimidation but it's filmed in such a way where it's like you know you know it's not it's just sharks just you know swimming in blood water it's not like you know what i mean it's not it's filmed yeah. in so so close quarters that you can tell it's not uh, an actor in there obviously you know, it's a sign of the times, I think, but it doesn't really have that impact. And then, like later on, when you've got the scene where where Bond is then put in that same situation, where basically he's having a fight with one of the henchmen, and they put the the swimming pool cover over the top so they can't obviously get out the pool, and then they send the sharks in. Um, I thought that was a bit anticlimactic as well, personally, because Bond kind of dispatches the henchmen and then yeah. just dodges dodges the sharks and gets out. He does, yeah. He just he just sort of um, he sees them coming and look moves out of the way a bit, and they swim past him. But yeah, it's not. He he never really seemed to be in any danger at all from no. <laughs> from the sharks. No. No, watching the um, the documentary after I read that um, the reaction when you see Sean Connery's like in the tunnel bit, and the sharks coming towards him. That's a genuine reaction because they had this like perspex. Uh, like glass cover to prevent the shark getting to him but it yeah. was only a certain measurement and like the shark just went over the top of it and was going for him so like his reaction is like genuinely like shit the shark is out for me which i thought was quite good but even then it's like he literally just moves out the way the sharks go oh, into yeah. the next pool and then he just gets out but what i also didn't get is why didn't the henchman stand at the other side so if he does get out they can just get him straight away because he gets out the other pool yeah, and runs off. He doesn't seem to swim very far, does he? So no. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure Largo could have probably seen where he popped up. And <laughs> he just, yeah. he just get, yeah. gets away. But, um, but yeah, that was, um, yeah, I think overall Largo and Vargas aren't, aren't anywhere up to the level of the other ones. But um, next thing I want to go on to is the gadgets in this. So first thing is, I think Q has probably one of the best entrances so far where he comes in with his big, loud Hawaiian shirt on holiday and then gets straight to business and like kind of states all the gadgets that he's got. So I made a note because obviously the jetpack, I guess, kind of counts as the gadget from the very start. Um, 
I had to make a note because there's quite a few that they go through, although they're not as glamorous, I think, as other films. So we've got an underwater camera. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yay. <laughs> um, and then he's got a homing signal pill that he swallows so they know where he is. Um, yeah. And then I think the other one is like a flare gun, which to me isn't, it's not really a gadget. It's a flare gun. Yeah. Um, and then he's got this like breathing tool that is kind of like a, a pocket-sized uh, scuba diving equipment, isn't it? Which again is is used briefly throughout the film. Well, they all are, yeah. Um, but yeah, nothing really exciting. I think. I think the jetpack kind of peaked too early with the gadgets. There's nothing else that really stood out. Yeah, I agree. It's all a bit useful. Not not particularly. Um, yeah, not particularly innovative or cool or anything like that. Is it? It's all just stuff that you'd expect him to kind of have. Maybe the. Yeah. The underwater breathing thing at the time was probably like wow um hmm. kind of a wow thing and yeah i think the jetpack yeah it's just um i don't know if if in was it what 65 when this came out i don't know if the jetpack yeah. at that time would have been kind of a mind-blowing thing more than a sort of comical yeah bond tool but i'm not sure so i found with reading about that at the time the jetpack there was only two people in the world that had a license to use it so the scene where he's actually like coming down, you can clearly tell it's not Bond. Yeah, but you can see his face is clearly just some is the guy who's doing it. But I thought it was quite interesting that at the time there was only two people ever to to have it, and I think that's apparently why he has to wear the helmet for safety reasons. Oh right, so that's because he has the the actual like stunt person has to wear it legally, and that's why Bond has to put it on as well. But it just looks it still looks ridiculous. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I think. Overall, the gadgets are a bit, they're just, they're more necessity than, I guess, what you come to later expect in the gadgets, where they're a bit over the top and a bit flashy for the sake of it. But yeah, nothing, nothing stands out too much in this. Um, I know we we did briefly mention the Bond girls in this as well, but I think we haven't really spoke about Domino, which I think for me is probably the Bond girl in this, if you had to pick one. You've kind of got, Fiona, who's like the, I wouldn't say anti-Bond girl, like he does, he does shack up the Bond, but it's very much for Bond to get in closer to the scheme and the plan and what's going on. Um, but Domino is kind of the, the main, I guess, attraction for Bond. Yeah. Or the, um, what did you think of her as a character in this? She's quite the the classic damsel in distress character that. That is that sort of that Bond girl? Um, mm. Yeah, she's um, she's she's hot, isn't she? <laughs> I I did say to you outside of this, I think she's the most attractive, attractive Bond so far. Yeah, um, definitely. I think in this, she's more of she comes across more of like you said, the damsel in distress or the princess in the tower. Lara's yeah. like the king that's kind of locked her away and she can't really get away. And Bond is kind of the knight in that sense, to kind of get her away. Um, she doesn't really have sort of much character in this other than being that damsel in distress. She, compared to, say, Pussy Galore or um, uh, even from uh, Dr. No, Honey Rider, they've got yeah. a bit more personality to them. She's just kind of window dressing, I guess, for Bond. Um, but he does obviously rescue her. And the, the one thing I will say that I, I forgot about is... And this is, I think, what you were referring to at the start of this. 
is that she's the one that kills Largo. She's the one who kills the villain in the film, yeah. not James Bond. Yeah, it's not even, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's not even Bond who kills the, the baddie at the end. <laughs> yeah, which um, I was a bit stunned by because I, yeah. I didn't remember it going down quite that way. No, I think, yeah, you're, you're right on Domino. She, um, she, doesn't, she doesn't add a lot um, to the film. She's, um, yeah, not, not really a major character. She's just kind of there, plays a part. She doesn't um, particularly even play her, her part in Bond's plan that well either. She just gets caught no. straight away. Um, yeah, a bit of a disposable, disposable yeah, character. I think, she? I think that she, she always seems to be getting getting caught up in the trouble rather than sort of actively helping. Yeah, uh, Bond. I don't think I think she's just kind of, if almost to a degree, in the way and an extra thing to worry about. She doesn't, other than you know, finally, you know, uh, building herself up to kill Largo at the end when Connery's, sorry, Bond is in uh, in that situation where he's kind of, he's, you know, Largo's got the one up on him until Domino comes in. But I think that's, I guess that's the only redeeming thing for her up until that point. She's kind of just there. Um, but what did you think of, so I will come to it now. I know we kind of just jumped around the plot really, but what did you think of the sort of the underwater fight scene towards the end? Obviously it's building up to this big climax so that we, we know as the viewer that these weapons um, are it's kind of an underwater base. Um, and that seems to be the thing at the minute is that it throughout this film is that um, they basically hidden a lot of stuff underwater so that people can't track it from radar or from the air um, that easily. So like the plane that they steal is, is kind of covered with this like mesh met, uh, net, sorry, um, that's kind of got this seaweedy look onto it so from a quick glance it just looks like it's just the normal bottom of the ocean um but yeah so back to the fight what did you kind of make of that all of that stuff going on underwater yeah i think i think that fight's pretty good i think it's it's probably the longest fight scene or kind of battle scene so far in any of the bonds we've we've covered Mm. um and i think it's the first time the bonds got back up isn't it or kind of a proper you know, a proper military team of um, of backup. He's not the the lone secret agent, kind of saving the world by himself. Which you know, I didn't um, didn't really think about until I was watching it again. Um, it's quite a it's quite a good scene. I think I think given the the age of the film, the whole thing being underwater is quite um, it's quite actually well done. I think it's it's probably one of one of the better filmed scenes of the film for me. Um, and there's a little bit of Bond trickery in there where he, he lures them into the down a hatch and then leaves his um his little swimming of that like underwater jet ski thing is that he oh yeah yeah goes around on and leaves that in there swims around watches them go in sort of giggles to himself and then lobs a grenade on them <laughs> um, yeah that was good you just see this one flipper just slowly yeah. rising <laughs> yeah. which I thought yeah, was quite a double. good touch yeah um. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was quite good. It's quite quite different for a big battle underwater. I think that's the big draw for this. Is is that fight? That's the standout one where it's unique to the other films. Where it's like, well, I, I can imagine that's the pitch when this film was announced. It was kind of like we want this to be predominantly underwater and have this big kind of shootout, really, but underwater using harpoons and knives yeah. and stuff like that. Which um, so 
funny enough, when I remember when I watched this the first time many years ago, I found this quite boring initially. Um, I didn't find it boring at all this time around. I kind of appreciated it pretty much to what you said, that I can imagine at the time this was filmed, this was quite difficult to execute, to kind of have all these you know, moving pieces, all these people underwater doing various different things and kind of capture that on, on film, I thought would have been difficult to do. And actually, it's quite brutal for what is, I think this is just a PG. Um, but up until this point, like, you, you know, you've got um, people getting harpooned in the eye. You've got people getting a harpoon through their arm. Yeah. Like up until this point, it's been very kind of, like you said, tongue in cheek attacks or there's not much blood really it's kind of people getting knocked out in one punch and you know silly fight scenes and stuff like that but this seemed a bit more aggressive i think um that was a bit sort of taken aback by because i didn't remember it particularly being that gruesome you know for a bond film it's supposed to be kind of a family friendly ish film to watch but i thought that was a bit more brutal yeah it is um yeah, it is. It is more brutal, and I think knives and and harpoons are always a lot more brutal to watch than than a gunfight and kind yeah. of explosions and your your typical kind of bloke being flipped in the air, back flipping four times from a grenade going off and sort of that that comedy that comedy gunfight bond. Yeah, it's mm. yeah, it's much more. Um, yeah, it's quite gripping. Um. And it's it's quite intense that scene because there's a there's a lot of fighting going on. There's a lot of people underwater, and there's a lot of um yeah, kind of people drowning because they're in their their kit slit with knives and yeah mm -hmm. stabbing each other and harpoons and stuff. It is yeah you're right. It is quite um <laughs> for a for a bond. It's pretty um mm. is pretty violent. I made a note as well. <laughs> like there was a there's um Sean Con uh, oh, I keep saying Sean Connery, but it's James Bond does like a combo of about three different people of just taking their masks off in one in kind of one stroke. He's just like grabbing people's masks and just ripping them off. And they're all like struggling for air. And it's just like, you're just on this rampage of just doing that for ages. And it, you can, the only way you can tell is James Bond compared to everyone else. He's just got shorts on or like short, a shorter swimsuit. Oh, that's Bond. Everyone yeah. else has just got this long like bodysuit and he's just got little, little skimpy pants on. <laughs> um but yeah and then obviously it kind of leads into the um kind of the last sort of fight scene between him and Largo and some few henchmen uh where they get onto the Disco Volante which is Largo's boat and it's kind of his base of operations isn't it where he's he you know um returns to and where Domino also resides as well um and they kind of had this kind of fight seen as the boat is kind of hurtling towards some rocks as well so as the boat is kind of you know on full speed he, um, and obviously rocking with the waves and stuff like that um, Bond is trying to fight off the henchman and Lago at the same time which I thought was for the time as well is, is filmed quite well obviously it's got that classic 60s um, what you call it, like kind of the back, the background screening where it's you know, it's they've obviously not filmed it on the boat, they've got some background footage to put in to look like they're about to hit a rock, which is it's really obvious. But then at the time, you know, it's it's a six, it's the sixties, this was done, it was kind of a thing of its time, I guess. Um, but yeah, what did you think of that sort of final showdown? And obviously, when Domino intervenes as well, I, I struggled a little bit 
because it's so it's so sped up mm. and and yeah the background like you said it's um it's so quick it's so quick moving and they're they're kind of fighting but it's a you know it's a double speed or or whatever to give yeah. this illusion that they're on this um you know out of control boat um yeah i think it i try to watch it um and give it it give it credit where credit's due for the you know it's however old it is 50 years mm, or something yeah um yeah i did struggle a little bit with <laughs> with that just being so um so over the top sped up flying around the place um yeah but it is um yeah it's kind of that that typical grand finale fight scene between yeah henchmen and then and then get onto the onto the main boss who yeah as you said doesn't he he kind of overcomes bond but but bond doesn't get him back he doesn't manage to um save himself as domino pops up and and gets him <laughs> harpoon. A har- yeah. harpoon in the spine yeah it's a way to go but yeah i was couldn't believe it was bond that was um gets the final say but even yeah. just it's a weird this is for me i don't know about you but this, the ending of this is so strange it's it's um so we have that scene where domino kills largo and that's kind of the end you do have this kind of, so this is the scene uh, the thing i was referencing earlier that to see if you picked up on was they're on that boat uh no so i'm trying to think so they managed to get away um and just before that boat uh, so sorry right so largo, largo gets their harpoon in, in the back the boat is still hurtling towards some rocks so in the meantime bond and and domino need to get off but they've also got this professor on there as well so they're all like yeah we need to jump off and the professor's like oh um i, I don't know how to swim and bond's just like oh that you know it's, uh, you can never too late to learn or something like that and kind of pushes him out and then domino goes with him and then they have this inflatable kind of rubber, rubber dinghy thing that domino and bond get in but we never see the professor again yeah, apparently he couldn't swim, so he just he's just so, gone, like, he? so Bond again, being the ultimate bastard, has just yeah. pushed pushed a guy into the sea, knowingly knowing that he can't swim, and then we never see him again. I was like, poor guy. He's like, he's like, I, you know, sorry, mate, I, I can't swim. Do you mind just giving give us a hand? Nah, fuck that. Out you get, mate. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'll steal the Bond girl, and then so they get in the rubber dinghy, and then it kind of ends. Like they have that that kind of the what would you call it kind of the um inflatable like balloon that gets caught up by the um by a plane that kind of it reminded me of like dark knight they use this in dark knight don't they where they get the big rope that's way up in the air gets got picked up by a plane and the plane drives through the rope and then you know they grab on the rope at the bond and domino and they get yeah, sort of taken up with the plane yeah they're they're hauled up um which i, I thought the ending was it is it is different because he they do actually get saved and Bond makes a makes an effort to get saved and he doesn't start kissing Domino. So I don't yeah. know if they I don't know if they fell out during the filming or what. Or you know, he didn't he didn't fancy her as much as we did, but <laughs> he just um yeah, he, he makes a conscious effort to actually get saved. But how are they gonna get down from that plane? No, <laughs> just, I know. Yeah. When it comes into land, they're just gonna like yeah. slam against the tarmac on the runway. 
it just makes no sense. But there's no, there's no, you know, suave, charming one-liner to 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 you know sign off the film. No. They're literally in a dinghy. They get caught up, and then it says the end, and the theme tune comes in. I was just like, it was a, thought it was a bit sort of out of nowhere compared to yeah. some, you know, the the format of the other films where, you know, the big showdowns happened, and then there's this come down moment where he's obviously with the Bond girl. I think in this they don't really, they don't even speak. They just no. get in the dinghy, they get picked up, and then it's the end. I just thought that was it almost felt like they'd kind of run out of money and ideas and thought, okay, this will do. Yeah. And I just thought it was a bit disappointing. Yeah. I think he'd used up his one liners throughout the film and just had nothing, nothing comical to add at the end. And then, yeah. Yeah. Didn't even fancy, you know, he didn't cut the rope. He didn't, you know, stay bobbing around. And, and that, that scene is so clearly filmed in a swimming pool as well. Um, Yeah. It just, yeah, it didn't it didn't do it for me. The end. No. Yeah, it's just really disappointing. I thought, and, and that, I think that's what kind of um, made me say this is one of the least favourite ones because it just kind of left on a bum note. After all the stuff that had, you know, all the good stuff that had had happened in this film, kind of forgotten about because of the ending. This just kind of like just ends. Yeah, yeah, which is weird. Yeah, um, there's, um, there's a couple of other of other bits in the film that um that I'll mention some some highlights actually that's yeah on, okay and some highlights so the the bit where Fiona does does die is is the classic bond move uses her as a human shield <laughs> and then and then it is my favorite one liner i think so far in in all the bonds is she's dead and he just <laughs> he just sits her down at this this couple of sat at a table and he just sits her down there and says, do you mind if my friend sits this one out? She's just dead. <laughs> and then walks off. <laughs> yeah. The way he delivers it is so good. I was, I paused it because I was just howling with laughter. Just like, yeah. Do you mind if she sits this out? She's only, she's just dead. <laughs> and they're just like, yeah, no worries. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on yeah. it. Don't worry. Yeah, no worries. It's fine. Bond kind of says it. You can kind of see that he's trying not to laugh while saying it because he knows full well this <laughs> yeah. is possibly one of the best lines he's ever said. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I love. I did like that scene actually. Uh, there's another scene with him and Fiona as well, where I wonder if you wrote this down as well. Um, not so much a line, but more of a Bondism that he does, um, where he goes into his room. Bond's going into his room, and he he. he he thinks someone's in the room, but he doesn't know quite who it is. Turns out it's Fiona, who's just in his bath, um, just bathing there. And um, she goes, oh, give me something to put on. He ben- <laughs> Bond bends over and just gives her some shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like, you bastard. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. He just doesn't say anything. He just... Just picks his shoes up and goes, here you go. So technically, you know, this, this is something you can put on. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, yeah, I just thought that was another quite positive thing for Bond in this compared to some of the uh, not so positive things. Yeah. Um, There's one one bit with a with a shark. He, um, the shark doesn't get him and he says, sorry, old chap, better luck next time <laughs> to a shark. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and I just remembered another one, another Bond line. There is so many in this. Um, yeah. 
he when he first meets Domino very early on in the film, he <laughs> basically says, "Oh," and he says he calls her Domino before they've been formally introduced, and she's kind of taken back. Be like, "How do you know my name?" And he goes, "Oh, now you, your name's on the off, not sort of foot bracelet." And she's like, "Oh, your eyes are quite sharp." Then she walks off, and he's like, "Wait till you get to my teeth." <laughs> It's just classic. It's yeah. just like, what? What does that even mean? But <laughs> hey, you, you can you can pull it off. Yeah. So fine. Yeah, yeah. There's there's so many. Yeah, I think there's there is almost too many one-liners. I think, but yeah, maybe it is one of the redeeming factors of the film. But he, he does tell her the first time he meets her, he tells her that she swims like a man, and he says most most girls just paddle around, but you swim like a man. Like it's. <laughs> Yeah, it's I like, forgot about like that. It's a chat line. It's like, yeah. does that work? Calling saying yeah, no. He actually goes, "Oh yeah, he's basically saying I admire your swimming because you swim like a man." And like, if I was the other end of that, I'd be like, "How do I take this information?" <laughs> yeah. I think you're probably just saying, "So do you?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, that's it. So do you? Funnily enough, and he, and he, yeah, and he goes, "Yeah, I've had more practice." It's like, stop coming up with these stupid lines altogether. Yeah. Like shut up. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's quite funny as well. I I didn't um notice this until watching obviously the bonds this time round. You know, in that scene where he's swimming, he goes back to his boat where he's got the he's kind of got like some help in the form of that woman who's kind of I don't know who she's meant to be in it, but kind of like a pretend girlfriend to Bond. So he goes back on his boat. So the woman in that is one of the gypsies from from Russia with Love. Oh, is so they get yeah they got her back to just uh-huh. be this kind of Bond sidekick when he gets to Nassau yeah um, which I I didn't pick up on until this time around and also have you have another cameo that I picked up on have you ever seen The Shining yes yeah so you know um, uh, Mr Grady the guy in The Shining where Jack Nicholson's in the bathroom and he's got like the the waiter there that's kind of cleaning him down yeah um, and they talk in that in that bathroom. He's one of the guys in the Spectre boardroom because he's got like a kind of a recognisable voice. I, was like, I swear that's the guy from The Shining because I've seen The Shining a ridiculous amount of time. And straight away, it's like, yeah, that's the guy from The Shining. <laughs> so there's another one, another person I didn't realise was in this film. But um, oh, well, yeah, all no, sorts of cameos. I didn't notice that. No. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, yeah, I mean, that's all the points I made uh, for Thunderball anyway. I don't know if you have any more. I think the, the final were. thing, which is also a letdown, is actually the theme tune. Oh, and I spoke about the theme tune, yeah. It's, you know, it's Tom Jones, who has such a, a powerful voice. But I just, I feel the Thunderball theme isn't, it's not particularly powerful. I don't know, it's quite, it's quite recognisable. It's got, it's got a nice tune. It's quite bondy. Um, but I just don't, I don't think it, I think it just sort of, it lives up to the film as well. It's just a, a bit of a letdown for me. I, I, I don't know. I don't mind it. it, like, you, I, it like you said, it, it is a Bond sounding theme. It's quite powerful. It's got the powerful male voice compared to the female voice of Shirley Bassey um, from the previous film. I just feel like it doesn't really, it's almost like they came up with the Thunderball title, which is one of the books. And then they've tried to put it in a in the theme tune. So it's like one of the lyrics is "So he strikes like a thunderball." Like, what does that what does that mean? Yeah, what, yeah, it doesn't what mean does mean anything? 
yeah. least with like Goldfinger or From Russia with Love, it's kind of references the film in some way. Goldfinger being obviously the, the villain, but with Thunderball, it's the it's the title of the operation, but the theme in its lyrics just kind of felt a bit, bit forced here. Yeah. So it's almost like where they do sort of later on where the theme, the song used for the theme tune isn't actually the name of the film. If that makes sense. I yeah. think that would have benefited here. You could have just used another, a great song, uh, just called it something else that isn't Thunderball because Thunderball's hard to kind of throw into, into the song. I mean, it's, it, don't get me wrong, it's, it's a very operatic and loud theme tune that the Bond themes tend to do. But um, but yeah, um, not one of the best ones. But I don't think it's it's terrible. I think it, it does its job. Um, but yeah, I can't, to be honest, the fact I forgot about it is, um, I guess, yeah, testament so to how mediocre it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's that's my summary for the film. Mediocre. Yeah. Um, I, I think so. My I guess my summary. I think the plot had a, it's got a lot to offer. Um, but I don't think it delivers. I think that that idea of um, of the the stolen nukes and the the clever way of doing it and and all of that is it's obviously a good idea because it's been replicated in quite a few subsequent films and and even sort of hinted on in different Bond future mm. Bond films. I just don't I just don't think the film as a whole really delivers. There's there's some redeeming factors and they're probably only enjoyable to watch because because i know the whole bond world and the kind of return of spectre and um and those bits and pieces but yeah for me the film it just um it doesn't hit the mark it's just a bit a bit yeah it's too long as you said it's a bit tedious yeah. um i think some of the some of the way it's filmed is quite questionable and a bit difficult to follow um and that's not that's not really a sign of the times because Goldfinger's proved that, that that's not yeah. um, that that's not the case. So, um, yeah, disappointing for me. Um, yeah, I, I pretty much go along with, with most of that. I think I think they've actually given themselves too much here. They've obviously got with the momentum of the first three films, and obviously then the whole thing with the Bond films is to try and up it from the previous one to make it sort of stand out bigger, bigger, more Bond girls, bigger set pieces, bigger explosions, like nastier villains but i just don't think any of it really hits i think like i agree with you i think the plot is one of the strongest bits here um i think the characters other than bond don't get developed that much so we don't really care for the bond girl we don't really hate the bond villain um they kind of just there um and i just think the main thing the main feeling i got from this is just it's just anticlimactic the shark scene isn't as dangerous and um suspenseful as it could have been um you've got bond kind of not seizing the day and winning at the end it's the the bond girl who's hasn't done anything for the majority of the film and then the whole actual ending where it's like nothing is said um and they just it just ends and also i think i think another thing going back just quickly to the the underwater fight scene um Although it's filmed really well and executed really well, obviously there's not there's no talking for at least I don't know quarter of an hour, and it's just I think that that does kill it slightly. Obviously, I know they're underwater, and 
at the time of you know the, the technology that they had for underwater they didn't have underwater communication so they couldn't kind of use it and that's that's a fair you can't really knock them for that but i think yeah. breaking it up into it perhaps cutting it between someone on the shore that's that's talking and, and chopping up that scene that way otherwise it's literally just people fighting underwater for 15 minutes and gets a bit tedious after some time yeah um, it does crack a bit so scoring this then what would you give this out of 10 um seven out of ten Ooh, i think that's quite high for what you said yeah um <laughs> is it because you've got bond so, soft it, spot for bond as a thing because it's yeah it's because it's bond yeah um nice yeah, it's because it's Bond. It's got it's um it's a low seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think there's some some redeeming factors. Maybe, yeah. maybe. Oh yeah, I'm I'm being generous, but I'm sticking I'm sticking to my seven. Okay. But it's it's at the bottom of the list so okay. far. I yeah. I it's the bottom of my list, and I'll give it a six. Yeah, I think um yeah I think there's a lot more things that annoyed me in this than any of the other three so far um and things just to pick up on like little niggles and and there's i think the main thing as well is other than some bits where like you said the middle dips in like interest i think for me it just get kind of gets a bit like okay yeah what's come on what's what's the next scene um bond is just a bit is noticeably unlikable and i think that's really tinges tinges is that a word yeah tinges yeah. Tinges the 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 film slightly uh, yes. for me. He's just a bit more of a knob than <laughs> the other the other three films. Um, it's hard to like him, really. But um, yeah, so six out of ten. So as we've as we've got it now, I think our rankings are pretty much identical. I think so. Yeah, Thunderball from Russia with Love, Doctor No, and yeah. Goldfinger. Goldfinger yeah. yeah, I think Goldfinger's going to be up there for a while yet. Thanks again for your time today. Obviously, the next one will be You Only Live Twice, which, again, I don't think it's one... I kind of remember the main beats of the film, but I'm keen to go back and, and watch that because even just watching Thunderball again, there's a lot of things I, I either forgotten or hadn't picked up first time round, so eager to um, to watch that one again. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to it. It was one of the it was one of the bonds I had on VHS, and I've I've seen it a lot of times um but, but i haven't seen it for for probably 20 years so um yeah i'm, I'm excited to rewatch it and see see how much i remember and see how much i enjoy it um again nice okay so yeah we'll speak again on the next episode where we discuss you only live twice so I'll catch you then cool thanks very much <laughs>